Colossians 10 number 3. Hey man, it's been good. We've been putting off a bunch of stuff. How about you? Now, God's not encouraging procrastination. Okay? <laughs> we're saying put off. That's not what we're talking about. Putting off to doing the right things. Amen? Amen. Verse 8, Colossians 3.8. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication out of your mouth. Why not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds? Now watch this. And have put on who? The new man. See, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's that's the ticket. You got to put on the new man. Amen. Right? You got the old man, the inner man, and the new man. The new man is the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, watch this. Uh, Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. I got a new man living inside me that wants to possess and control my life. He wants to give me the power and strength that I need to do right every day. And Romans chapter number 13, watch this. Verse 11, That knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer than we first believed. It's not talking about eternal Salvation is talking about the salvation of our body and our lives from this wicked world. Amen. He's not talking about dang on our spiritual eternal life hanging out there in front of us with the carrot. says, you're just about ready to get a hold of that thing. No, I got eternal life now. Amen. Amen. But my redemption of my body is not here yet. And I'm looking forward to that thing. Yeah. And it's coming. It's just around the corner. It's just a small little tune away. Do -do -do -do. <laughs> Trumpet. Amen. Lord, they all need to be waking up, Lord. Help them wake up. It's high time for them to wake out of sleep. And amen me. Amen. In Jesus' name. Verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Amen. What time is it? According to that right there. The, the night is what? Far spent. The day is what? What time is it? Huh? Well, it's past five. The day is what? At hand, when's the day start? 6 a.m. 6 a.m. So, as the night's far spent, the day's at hand. What time is it? 5.30. Yeah, it's probably closer to 5.58, 5.59. That's how close we're getting. Today. You know when he comes back? He comes back to fourth watch. You know what the fourth watch is? 3 to 6. We're, we're that, that, that thing's right there about ready to start today. <laughs> Amen. Everybody else is out there saying, well, you know, it's, it's 11.58 and counting. No, 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 it's not. Amen. It's it's right it's ready to start today. We're we're right there at the end of this thing. Amen. About ready to dawn a new day. Amen. The Bible's from six to six. Ours is from twelve to twelve. It's a big difference. Amen. Now watch what it says. The night is far spent, days at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Not just put off, but cast off. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in the day, not riding, drunkenness, not chambering. That's people that's just wanting to live in their house and uh, be all cooped up. 
living in sin. Amen. Uh, it's kind of like a hoarder. It's kind of like a, somebody that, uh, yeah, depression. They're sitting there. But the 1828 says this, to reside or occupy it in as a chamber, to be wanting, to indulge in lewd and immodest behavior. So that's what old 1828 says. There's somebody doing something inside their house and they want to come out. They draw those blinds down. They just hide like a hermit. Amen. And they're doing lewd behavior inside that place. They don't want to come out. They don't want to face the world. Amen. Chambering and wantonness. Not in strife or envying. Verse 14. But put ye on who? Lord Jesus Christ. That's the new man right there. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you done that? Listen, we can cast off the old man. We can, we can eschew and get rid of all those bad things. But if you take it on Christ. You ever done that personally? Y'all try it sometime. Y'all say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm unrobing the old man. I'm getting rid of the old man. I'm throwing him away. And Lord, by faith, I'm going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to put him on. Y'all go through the motions sometimes. It might seem childish. It might seem immature. Some people might say, well, I'm above that. That's a little silly. It might do us to do some silly stuff for Jesus. Amen? And put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, go through the motions of doing it. You ever put on the whole armor? Lord, I'm girding my loins about with the truth. Lord, I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, I'm going to put on the gospel shoes. Amen? Lord, I'm going to place, take on the helmet of salvation. Right? Lord, I'm going to take up the shield of faith. Lord, I'm going to take up the sword of the Spirit. You ever, you ever done that? Lord, I personally, I'm going to get in your yoke. I'm going to take your yoke upon me. I was in a prayer closet one time. And I said, Lord, the things I'm bearing right now is tough and I shouldn't be doing it. And so, Lord, I'm going to get out of my yoke and I'm going to take your yoke upon me. And I'm telling you, something happened when I did that. I can't explain it. I don't know if you ever felt God's hand touch you. I'm, I'm just telling you, something happened when I put that thing on. I went through the motions. Nothing happened to me until I did that. And I personally tried to do that. Listen, you get down and you get in a bad way and the devil's kicking you around. Amen. You remember some of this right here? You say, Lord, my mind is a mess right now. I'm, I'm being attacked in my brain, Lord. I put on the hell of salvation. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Maybe all of a sudden that's something to clear up. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's, it's something to think about. It's something we ought to put on every day. It's something we ought to do. Listen, every day we ought to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't leave our house without putting on Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I'm going to put you on. Now watch what it says. And make not provision for the flesh to fill the lust thereof. Isn't that a unique conclusion of the statement? <laughs> what good is it going to do to put on the Lord Jesus Christ if you plan on going out and do something you shouldn't be doing? So, make no provision for the flesh. To help prevent making provision for the flesh is put on the Lord. Amen? Put them on. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm dying to myself today. I realize what I am. I, I realize I'm corrupt. I'm vile. There's nothing, no good thing in me. And the only hope I got is to put off the old man with his deeds, his, what he wants, the lust of the flesh. And God, by faith, I'm putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to wrap myself up in him today. And I'm going to walk in the newness of life. Boy, what a day you might start out have. You say, well, if I do that, I'm going to meet opposition. Well, wouldn't it be best to face opposition with him on you than to leave him at home? 
You know, you know one of the things they find out about police officers when they get shot and they get killed? What's the number one thing they find out about police officers for the most part when they get shot and killed? Best. The best friends sitting in front on the front seat over here, their life present life jacket. Amen. Their armored vest is sitting beside them. They didn't put it on, they get shot. Mm -hmm. Amen. That that life or that life uh what what do they call that? The bulletproof vest doesn't do any police officer any good sitting in the front seat, does it? Right? Amen. If you got weapon you got armory, you got something to protect you. It doesn't do you no good sitting in the closet, staying at home, sitting in the front seat. Amen. It's designed to wear. That's what we should do is be wearing it. Right? But what happens is we go some, through so many good days without it. And we neglect it so much. And then all of a sudden when opposition and spiritual warfare, the devil sees it. Oh, they went three weeks without putting it on. Now's the time to strike. And boy, he strikes. And boy, he kicks and he, he defeats and he destroys and he stomps and he gives us down the road and all of a sudden, man, we're, we're a blood puddle laying there. I mean, we're like the road runner, you know. We look both ways. There are the coyote and then all of a sudden we step out and track. Get nailed. There you are. Just, just a roadkill. And the devil knows it. He knows when you're weak. He knows when you're not prepared. You think the devil likes challenging a guy that's prepared, ready, and armed for him? He likes to hit you when you're not looking. Amen. You know when he got David, don't you? He wasn't at battle. He didn't have his armor on. He wasn't prepared. He thought he'd take the day off. Right? That's when he got him, didn't he? Least expecting it. But see, a lot of people are like Samson. They just keep putting her head in the lap of the devil. Couldn't figure out. She kept, she kept calling the Philistines in. Couldn't figure out that she was baiting traps for him. He couldn't, he couldn't discern that she was asking for the secrets of his hair. And then she'd call for the Philistines. Say, Samson, the Philistines behind me, be upon thee. And they'd all come running in and he'd jump up and break those ropes. He couldn't see what she was doing. Finally, he told her her heart, gave away the secret of his strength. Lost his eyeballs, lost his life. In the end, became a grinder, grinding in a, a mill. It's all because he couldn't see. He was blind, spiritually. Blinded by sin. Amen. Put on, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4, it says, verse 21, If so be that ye heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Wow. They put off concerning the former conversation, the old man was corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be what? Renewed in the spirit of your mind. Where, where does that begin? Verse 2023. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Where does that begin? Verse 
That begins in your devotion. That begins in your time alone with God. That begins when you start your day and you bow your head and say, God, speak to me. I don't want to think like the old man. I don't want to think the old ways, God. I want to think right. I want right thoughts, the right mind. I want my mind focused on you. God, speak to me through that book. See, I want the right mind. I want to think right. Most people don't think right when they start their day off. Most people are thinking about the flesh and how I can satisfy my flesh, how I can do the best for me today. Well, the best thing you do for the day is get renewed in the spirit of your mind. Get your mind renewed. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? You get in that book and you spend time in devotion. This is devotional time. Every day of your life, you get in a devotional spot and say, God, my mind, I have to think right. If I'm going to do right, i got to be thinking right. If I'm going to do right, I must have your mind. You said you gave me. I have the mind of Christ. Now, God, please allow me to appropriate it. Help me to think righteously, soberly, justly, godly. Help the grace of God to teach me. Help me to learn what you want to show me. Open thou my eyes. Behold wondrous things from thy law. God, speak to me. See, that's the way you make it as a Christian. Most people go out and wreck. They wreck their spiritual little life. It's in the ditch. Then they cry out, God, I need a tow truck. <laughs> I, need, I need some help. It's after we messed it all up. We seek guidance and help. Right? Just like a little kid. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, you did it. Yeah. They get their knee fixed and get back up. I can do it. I can do it. Kids can do everything. Yeah. Amen. Got to be careful. You know where you get the right mind? You get it. You get it in your devotional spot. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and what? True holiness. I'm not trying to be ugly. People here probably don't have the problem that I'm going to bring up. But I just wonder how many people go to their closet. And before they go to their closet to put on their fleshly garments to advertise to the world. I just wonder how many of them actually bowed their heads and say, God, today I want to think righteously, holy, and I want to have true holiness. And God, as I pick out the clothes in my closet, may they magnify you and glorify you, then not the flesh. That I may not be a temptation and cause people to lust after me today. May I glorify you, inward and outward. And then go to their closet. I wonder how many people ever do that. <laughs> I don't think a lot of that happens. I don't think that ever happens. I don't know anybody that does that. Because I'm spiritual. I know what to pick. I know what to look at. I know I can pull anything out of my closet. I'm right with God because I chose it. Really? I tell you what. Maybe there wouldn't be so much fornication and adultery in the world. It's running rampant everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it is out of the banks. I mean, the Mississippi River's done flooded the country. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Amen. I'm, I'm telling you, there's, there's a bankruptcy of morality in our country. And... Walmart, J.C. Penney, and all them ain't supposed to legislate morality, but they're doing it. 
And Christians don't want to, Christians got the idea, well, I don't want to be no stinking Amish person. Okay. Amen. I didn't say you had to be Amish. I just say, have you ever gone to the prayer closet and, and asked God and say, God, does this please you? Because I want to be, what? In true holiness. Amen. Amen. Let's, go, let's compare that with Colossians 3 again. He says, Put on a new man, which is after God, created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. He says, verse 10, And have put on a new man, which we've already seen is the Lord Jesus Christ, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. Renewed in knowledge. He talks about renewing your mind. And that mind there, he's talking about knowledge. Let me ask you, what new ways are you thinking? You thinking in the flesh, after the flesh? You thinking after God and like God? I think here he's trying to tell us to get in the book and think like God thinks. Figure out God's mind. Think like God thinks. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Preacher, I got a problem with the way I think. Okay, that's good. Verse 6, be careful. That means don't be full of care for nothing. Amen. I know the new Bible say anxiety. I ain't talking about being anxious or anxiety. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about a thing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, late request be made unto God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall what? Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know how, why so many people are spiritually a mess in their head and their brain? You know why they need psychologists and psychiatrists? Because they ain't going to the doctor. This book will tell you what to do. That verse, those verses right there say, you better cultivate a good time, a devotional time to be with God and talk with Him and read His book and talk verbally from your heart to Him and He'll keep your heart, He'll keep your mind if you'll commit what, your thoughts to Him. You know why so many Christians are messed up? You know why so many Christians need crutches? You know why they need Prozac? You know why they need all these uh, mind drugs that they take? You know why they got to have a few beers? You know why they got to have a couple joints to get by? Because they ain't in the book reading. They're not casting all their care upon Him. They're not thankful for the things that God's already done. By every, in everything. What? In everything. By prayer, supplication. With thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Verse 8, look at what it says. Verse 8, look what it says. Finally. Finally, my brethren. Did you see that? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, comma, whatsoever things are honest, comma, whatsoever things are just, comma, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What are you thinking about? Right? Think you thinking about things that are true? You thinking about things that are honest? Are you thinking about things that are just? Are you thinking about things that are pure? 
Are you thinking about things that are lovely? Not David. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Right? <laughs> Amen. Whatsoever things are of good report. Amen. If there be any virtue, that's moral excellency. If there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the peace of God shall be with you. Amen. Listen, God's wanting us to change the way we think. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. God's interested in the way you think. God's interested in what you think upon. God's interested in what you think about. Listen, they say, I can't prove it. I've never been there. But they say that when you're up there as a champion and you're winning as a champion and doing those things, you have a different mindset than the average losers. A guy that's winning championships ain't thinking about missing his putt or hitting a ball or missing a rim. He gets the ball in his hands, he don't see himself missing. He gets that club in his hand, he see his putt he's making <laughs> that big, the hole's that big, it ain't like this. Most people when they get up there they say, oh, I can't make this, and they putt, and you know what, they miss it. Yep. Right? Most guys get up there and say, man, this guy's throwing too fast, I can't ever hit the ball. He'll strike out when it comes up, the bat. You know what Johnny Bench did one day? It was his mom's birthday. She said, Johnny, hit me a home run. And he looked at her and pointed to her and said, okay. He got up there, over the fence. See, those guys don't think they'll miss that ball. They don't think they're going to make a mistake. They don't think a bunch of series of negative thoughts. Those guys, they don't think that way. Amen. Champions don't think that way. Amen. And Christians got, I'm not talking about being a positive thinker. I'm just talking about the negative thinking and the thoughts that always enter into our mind. Well, I'm a failure. I ain't no good. You're right. You're a failure. No good. Well, I can't ever mount to You'll never will mount to nothing. You think like that. Yeah. Amen. But what you're supposed to do is be able to come to God in prayer and say, God, you're right. I am no good. I'm a loser. I'm good for nothing. But you're a winner. And you're great. You're a good God. And you're my Savior. Amen. And I don't want to shame you. And God, you can give the power and the victory to overcome anything in the flesh. May you be magnified. Live your life through me so you can receive glory today. And I allow you in Jesus' name. <laughs> you transform the way you think. Listen, the devil wants to fill our minds with all kinds of garbage and get us defeated to where we won't accomplish nothing for God. Look at what he says in verse 3. For though I walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal, that's physical. But mighty through God, pulling down what? Strongholds, you see that? You got to pull down some strongholds. What's holding you down? What's holding you back? Look at what it says, verse 5. Casting down what? Imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the what? Listen, this is, this, we're talking about the, the new man being restored how? In knowledge. It's what you know. It's what you're learning. It's what you're filling your mind with. What are you filling your mind with? The Word of God? Doctrine? You fill your mind with the right things, not the wrong things. You think about the right things. Think about God and His book and His verses and victory. Well, I'm defeated. Well, read victorious verses. Amen. Amen. It's amazing how we can find things that we want in the Bible. 
Casting down imagination to every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. It's like, that thought just came in. I just caught it. <laughs> you stinking rotten thought. You're trying to defeat me today. You're wicked. Amen. I ain't going to listen to that. I'm not going to receive you. I'm taking you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and casting it down. Right? Because I'm going to live for God today. I'm not going to I'm going to allow Him to give me the victory. I believe He gave me the victory and I'm going to live victorious and I'm going to praise Him and love Him. And another thought comes in and said, caught you. I'm bringing you into captivity through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And you can go back to hell where you came from. Throw that thought away. I'm telling you, you got to do that kind of stuff. Thoughts will come in your head and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping that right there. I'm not thinking, I'm not going there. My mind ain't going in that ditch today. Amen. Ain't happening. Through the shed, but Lord, I bring that thought into captivity. I caught it. Handcuffing it, tying it up. Amen. Dipping it in the blood. <laughs> Throwing it away. I ain't going there. I can't think about that. You understand? I cannot think that way. I cannot allow that thought to enter my head because you know what it's going to do? If I allow that thought to enter my head and just spin around there to have a good time, amen, I'm going I'm crashing. I'm going to crash and burn if I allow them thoughts. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, I've allowed too many people to try to shape my life by their words. What am I doing allowing their words to enter into my life and then uh, putting a predisposed disposition in my life and now i got to live up to their autobiography of me. You're just a good for nothing loser. You're a bum. You ain't nothing, you know. Oh, okay, I'm a loser. I'm a bum. And then pick that up and, I, and make that what God thinks of me. I ain't that way. You understand? I don't have to lay in the gutter. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have failed. Yes, I have messed up. Yes, I have sinned against a just and holy God. But there's forgiveness with Him and He forgave me. And He put me back up on my feet and said, Stand up, boy, and put on my son and fill your mind with my book and get out there and win a battle for Jesus Christ. Amen. For the weapons are warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God, pulling down strongholds. These are things that get a hold of us. These are things that will lasso us up. These are things that will tie us down. And God said, get a hold of that thought. Get it in your mind. Get it in your head and wrap it up and tie it up and put it to the blood. Amen. Yeah. Bringing every thought. Bringing into captivity every thought. To the obedience of Christ. <laughs> Amen. Did you ever thought about taking all your thoughts in your head and lining them up like little soldiers? <laughs> I'm going to organize all this mess up in here and spin it around. Now, we're going to take each thought and we're going to line them up. Does it line up with the obedience of Christ? Nope. Out. Does it line up with the obedience of Christ? Nope. Out. You understand? Roll call thoughts. Line up. Are you a good thought? You could help me grow and walk for Jesus today? Nope. Out. Next. Are you a good thought? Are you going to help me be a better Christian today? Nope. Out. Amen. <laughs> that takes a discipline. Right? right? Amen. Man, we get occupied in our brain, man. We let all these things just, man, that stuff's just going off in our head. And we're thinking, listen, I can get out way out there in outer space. There ain't no sci-fi com compared to what can happen in my brain. <laughs> Huh? I mean, I can take trips to other universes out there, man. It gets, you know what you got to do? You got to be careful. I can sit in a room and I can, I can sit around and start thinking about what you guys are thinking about me. 
My plane ain't ever going to soar in this room. Amen. If I begin to start thinking about everything everybody thinks about me at work, my little plane ain't ever getting off the runway, man. I can't go there. I can't worry about what somebody thinks about me. You understand? I mean, I, I listen, that, that affects more people than you can even imagine. They're worried about what somebody else thinks. But we don't worry about what God thinks. What's He think? What's He want? Listen, all those thoughts in my head that's not supposed to be there don't belong there. Get them out. Bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Pull down those strongholds. Let's clean house in our head. Let's get a clean head. And then let's grant thoughts and words and opinions entrance into our head. And if it don't line up with Bible doctrine and truth, say, guess what? You don't have access to my brain. Get out of here. Because I'm only going to allow good thoughts in my head. Amen. Boy, that'll work. Boy. <laughs> you know what? There'll be a lot of people just sit around the room and bang their head against the wall because they ain't got nothing to do the rest of the day. Because they, they got rid of all the bad thoughts. You understand what I'm saying? So what's that guy over there banging his head against the wall? Because he ain't got nothing to think about. <laughs> you know? Amen. Hello. Verse 6. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when you're what? Your obedience is fulfilled. Listen, there's things God wants us to obey. The biggest problem we got facing at the judgment seat is not necessarily all the things we commit. It's all the things that we omit. All the things that we know that's right to do that we don't do. Why do you need this? Why do you do that? Why? Well, I was just too busy over there spinning my wheels thinking about what everybody thought about me. Just wasting my time. The Lord said, you ain't going to get nowhere doing that. You ain't going to get nothing accomplished. You worry about what everybody thinks. But if you worry about pleasing me, I tell you what, you fill your heads with those kind of thoughts, you might get something accomplished. Amen. Yes, sir, Master. I serve you, Lord. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It's what you think. You know what? I'm going to obey you. You said to fill my head with your book. I'm going to fill it with your book. You said to open my mouth, tell people about you. I'm going to tell people about you. You said to praise you. I'm going to praise you. You said in everything, give thanks. I'm going to give thanks. Amen. And I'm going to love you. And I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to do my best. Amen. To fill my mind with what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. As a New Testament Christian, there's things I'm supposed to practice, things I'm supposed to do. And God, by your grace and by your power, I want to meditate on your scriptures. I want to meditate on your word. I want to think about you. I don't want to have a frivolous life. Amen. So I'm going to bring them thoughts into captivity. Because I want to obey you. I want to be obedient to the will of God and to God himself. Amen. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. Right? Let's go back to Colossians 3. It's how we're supposed to think. You know what it's called? It's called programming. <laughs> we're to program our mind with the word of God and to think right. Right? The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 3, Commit thy works unto him, and he'll establish your thoughts. Right? The Bible says in Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, And I put on a new man, 
which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond or f nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let me ask you something. Is he all for you? Let me ask you a question. Is he enough? Is really Christ all you need? Tom Combs said, you won't know Christ is all you need till Christ is all you got. Is he everything to you? Is he all in all? You need to practice that a little bit. Practice makes what? Perfect. Practice loving on Jesus and see what happens. Practice loving His book and see what happens. Put on, verse 12, therefore in view of all that, as the who? Boy, the Calvinists will love that one, won't he? The elect of God. Let me ask you a question. Who's the elect of God right there? Israel. No. According to Isaiah, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the elect. So therefore, put him on. He's the elect. You understand? This is still in the context of Christ. As the elect of God, he could be saying now that you're a child of God, therefore you better do right and do these things as I'm about to write to you. But he's not talking about election when it comes to Calvinism. This is just a verse as a snag for a Calvinist. You put on Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Israel corporately is the elect. And then Christ is the elect. And election is corporate. A Jew in the Old Testament was born into Israel. He's part of the elect. Somebody that's born again is placed by the Holy Ghost into Christ. There in Christ, he's the elect. As the elect of God, put on these things then. You understand? Election is not because you were chosen in eternity past, amen, to be placed in a, to become special in God's eyes. Christ is the elect. And when you get put into Him and you take on Him, you take on His identity, then you're part of the elect. It's a corporate thing. Right? Amen. Put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Number one, bowels of mercy. Now that you're a child of God, now that you got on the whole armor of God, now that you put on Jesus Christ, now that you're suited up for battle, now you got some equipment you must take with you as a child of God as you're marching out to the field of this world, the battlefield of life, and you got your sword with you. He said, put in your canteen bowels of mercies. Bowels. Your innards. It's where your heart. What's so funny? You like my little analogy? Huh? And you got a canteen of mercy. You never know when you're going to have to have bowels of it. Right? You're going to, get to, you're going to, face, you're going to face so many adversaries. You're going to face so many opposition. You're going to have brethren coming against you. You're going to have the world coming against you. You're going to have the flesh coming against you. And you know what you got to have when you get out there and you start dealing with all these folks? You've got to have bowels. Plural. You've got, you got to have boatloads of mercy. Because people ain't going to know what you know and they ain't going to bend where you been, and they ain't going to be walking with whom you're walking with. And you know what? They're flesh bags, just like you are, except you got to grow in the Lord a little bit. And you know what? You're going to have to have boatloads of mercies. Mercy rejoices against judgment. And it's sad to say what's missing in the Christian's life 
and a lot of churches of mercy. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need mercy. Yeah, the book says, kill them. He wrote in the sand. He said, which of you, amen, without sin, let him cast the first out. He sat and he wrote again. And when they heard it, they left, the eldest from the youngest, all convicted in their mind and their conscience. And he looked at a woman. He said, where are thy accusers? She said, I have none, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The one that had a right to throw the stone didn't throw the stone. Amen. The law said kill, and he could have killed. Yeah. And he would have been just. Yep. He sat there in Luke chapter 7. They said, you know what kind of woman that is? It's kissing your feet. You know what I said a bunch of some of these divorce and remarriage people? I said, if Jesus Christ was to have a, a camp meeting, he's sitting up there at the platform, and we got every big shot preacher, got a thousand of them, and some harlot comes in off the North Dixie Strip, comes up and begins to start kissing his feet, weeping, dressed in her little shag outfit. And Jesus allowing that woman to kiss his feet, we'd have him strung up and crucified before the meeting went five more minutes. We'd throw him out and say, How dare he be the Son of God? Let a whore kiss his feet. We're the Pharisees of the New Testament. We're talking righteousness. He's a Son of God. He ought know better than let a whore kiss his feet. Let's go, David. Hello? Yeah, come on. And that Pharisee's all messed up, twisted. Simon? Yeah, Lord. I got something to say to you. Say on. Amen. You know what he did? He said, woman, by faith is saved thee. Go. He said, whom forgiven much loveth much. The law told that woman, kill her. Capital punishment for her crimes. She had no help except the judge throw the book away and show mercy. And the Son of God showed mercy upon somebody that deserved no mercy. Listen, God's merciful. God wants to... He didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Yeah. I got to preach the book straight. I understand that. But I got to be careful about my critical spirit against people that violate the commandments of God because I was a violator of the commandments of God, and I need not forget that. I deserve judgment. But I sought mercy, so therefore I ought to sow in mercy. You understand? Look at what it says. Bowels of mercy, comma, kindness. You just might as well kill me right there. I'm tough. I'm a hard nose. Kind, you wimp. Suck it up! That's the average Baptist, right? Where do we show kindness? How come it's against old time Christianity to be kind? 
we've lost tenderness and kindness. Yeah, We're tough. Where's old time kindness? Humbleness of mind. Humbleness of mind. This is something I got to put on. Humility. Let this mind be in you, which also in Christ Jesus. Thought it not Robert to be equal with God. Right? What was he? He was humble. He took on the form of servant. Humility. Humbleness of mind. Somebody said, Humility is thinking little of thyself. No, it's not thinking of yourself at all. Actually, it's thinking of others ahead of you. It's always has somebody else in mind. Humbleness of mind. Lord, I'm unworthy. Amen. Let me give them a drink. Before you have a drink. Well, I tell you what, that's humility. To place another in your stead. Let somebody else shine. Let somebody else get the glory. Somebody else up there. Give them the chance. I don't have to get up there. I don't have nothing to prove. What's wrong with pride is everybody wants to prove themselves. I don't have nothing to prove. What do I got to prove? I'm just a big, arrogant sinner. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have nothing to prove. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. That's not weakness. Man, that's a tough disposition right there. Hold your place there and turn to 2 Corinthians 10. <laughs> I, hate, I hate it. It's burning my flesh, Caleb. Verse 1, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of you want to be Christ-like? He said, I'm going to beseech you by His meekness and His gentleness. Are we real gentlemen? Ladies and... Are we really gentlemen? Meek. He's a wimp. I ain't going to be no wimp for Jesus, bless God. I'm tough. Gentle. My. You know what he says over there in Romans 2 4? Or is it 4 3? 2 4. The goodness of God leadeth to repentance. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up strife. Listen. A soft answer breaketh a bone. Oh, man. Want to break the bone? Just say a soft word. Gentle, meek. Then look what it says, comma. Long suffering. Back to Colossians 3. Long suffering. Let's switch those two words around. Suffering long. Charity is kind. Suffereth long. Oh my God. Oh man. Oh Lord. Man. What's that mean? Put up with it. Oh good. Uh, 
You want to cut? Or good. <laughs> anything but that, God. Anything but that. Oh, God. Oh, man. So, suffering long. God is not willing that any should perish, but is long suffering to us word, and that he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Right? I don't want to I don't want to suffer long. I don't want to put up with I want to end it right now. Let's move on. Suffer long. This is a different type of tolerance here. Verse 18. Man, you just just finished me off. Forbearing. Forbearing. Oh, Lord help me. Lord, I, this is impossible in the flesh. Amen. Lord, you're killing me. Amen. I ain't getting no amens. I'm trying. I'm sinking. Amen. 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 Yeah, I'm sorry. Thirteen. Got to keep me straight, ladies. Man, I, I don't know if I got that in there. I might not have it. Forbearance. That's all right. Forbearance. Bear one. Bear it. Bearing. Put up with. Take it. Forbearing who? One another. And forgiving one another. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing? How? If any man have a what? A quarrel. What's a quarrel? Huh? A disagreement. Fight. Boy, you guys are good. Man. I'm telling you. Sharp. Sharper than the average bear, boo boo. Amen. You find it. I can't find it. Where'd it go, Lord? I got so many definitions, I can't find them all. Restraint and tolerance. Well, this is good on video. I'm telling you. Oh, here it's on the other side of the fence. Coral. Forbearing, ceasing, restraining from action, patient, long suffering, forgiving, pardoning, remitting, disposed to forgive, inclined to overlook offenses, mild, merciful, compassionate. Forgive, to pardon, to remit an offense or debt, to overlook an offense and treat the offender as what? Not guilty. The original proper phrase is to forgive the offense, send it away and reject it. Amen. Is that is not to impute it to the offender. Don't lay the, the responsibility on the offender. You just say, I'll take care of it. Quarrel. What's a quarrel? I like this. Forgiveness of enemies is a Christian's duty. A disposition to pardon. Do you have a disposition to pardon? Is your mindset set to the place where I'm ready to forgive? Let the offenses fly. I'm going to forgive them. Or is I going to receive each injury and I'm going to settle the score? Vengeance is mine, saith Cliff. Right? You got to have a disposition to pardon. It means you got a mindset that says any infraction that comes my way, I'm ready to forgive it. He forgave me, so I'm going to forgive any anybody that wrongs me. Because you know what? I want to reconcile. I want to have a right relationship with everybody. I know I can't do it, but I want to, and I'm ready to forgive. You don't know what he did to me. Are you ready to forgive? Do you have a disposition to forgive? Look what he says about quarrel. 
to complain. That is to cry out with a loud voice. <laughs> Hence we see in the primary sense is the same as the brawl. So he's telling us a brawler is somebody that likes to quarrel. Well, that'll work over in 1 Timothy 3, won't it? Man, preachers want to brawl. Wow. Rowdy. Amen. The, the Latin conquer coincides the element with the call, brawl, the shout, the comp a complaint, a brawl, a petty fight or scuffle from its noise or uproar to dispute, to contest, a breach of friendship, concord, a variance between parties, to cause dispute, something that gives a right of mischief, reprisal, or action, objection, ill will, reason to complain, ground of objection or dispute, something peevish, malicious, disposed to make trouble. Oh my, I don't want to be that. Amen. Quarrel. To dispute violently with a loud and angry words. To wrangle, to scold. Uh, how odious to see husband and wife quarrel. Imagine your children. I don't know why I wrote that there. Amen. Right? Parents don't like to see kids squabble and fight and bicker, do they? No. Right? What are you fighting about? What are you bigger about? What are you quarreling? But then mom and dad do it. Right? Amen. That's how we trained our kids right. I mean, that's. <laughs> Amen. So, what's mom and dad's normal? Do as I say, not as I do. Isn't that confusion? Right? Yes. Amen. To fight, to scuffle, to contend, to squabble. Used of two persons of a small number, never used of armies or navies in combat. Amen. To fall into variance, to find fault. Oh, man. Fault finders. Man. Verse number five is to disagree, to be at variance, not to be in accordance in form, essence. Quarrel. Quarreling. What's quarreling? A loud, angry words, scolding, wrangling, fighting, finding fault, disagreeing, quarreling, contention, dispute, angry in words, breach of concord. Quarrelous, apt or disposed to quarrel. Hmm. Easily provoked to enmity or contention. Quarrelsome. An apt to quarrel, given to brawls and contention, inclined to petty fighting, easily irritated, provoked to contest. Well, that kind of goes against charity, doesn't it? First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Man. So he says, he says, uh, forbearing one another. Forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, perfectness. I got here, it's the cement of completeness. It's the glue of growth. It's the mortar of maturity. It's the weld of wholeness. The bond, the thing that holds it all together is charity. You know what it says about charity? Charity covereth a multitude of sins. Amen. Charity is able to overlook infractions. Charity can see something that somebody else can't. Amen? Let's go to... Go to charity. Let's go to First Corinthians thirteen. This is it, folks. This this is this ought to be our chapter. 
This ought to be our goal. Marvin Clant said it best. He was a man of prayer, spent time in prayer. And he talked to the Lord. He said, Lord, what's charity? And he said, Marvin's my character. I, I totally believe in it. It's God's character. Chapter 12, verse 31, But covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way, though I speak with the tongues of men of angels, have not charity become a sound of brass or tinkled symbol. Though I have to give the prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? Nothing. I'm nothing, man. I am nothing. Without God. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. I am nothing. You, you want a revelation? That, that's the greatest revelation you'll ever get about yourself. I'm nothing. You know what God wants to do? God wants to bring us to that place where we're nothing. And God, without you, without your touch, without your person, without your presence, without you, I'm nothing. I'll mount to nothing. I'll do nothing. It's all flesh. It's all wickedness. And if anything gets done, it's got to be through you. God, I need charity. Look at what it says, verse 3. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned. Isn't that charity? Isn't bestowing all my goods charity? Then it's more than benevolence. It's more than just giving fleshly things to people. It's more than just $20 bill handing it to a man. It's more than just fixing somebody a chicken sandwich. It's more than just giving some toys at Christmas time. You understand? Charity goes above and beyond. He said, though I bestow all my goods. Feed the poor. Most people think charity is feeding people. Feeding the poor. We're running a mission. We got charity down here. We're running a mission. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Though I give my body to be burned. And have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Listen, that's got something to do with a character. That's got something to do with an inward work inside a man's heart and his life. That's some kind of disposition that's flowing out of his life. It's more than just giving things. It's more than just sacrifice. He, he gives his body to be burned. It's more than sacrifice. Most people think when they give, they haven't even touched the board and having a garment. They haven't sacrificed and they're giving. And he's telling us it's more than sacrifice. Verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. It's patient. It's pleasant. Charity envieth not. Charity's Amen. Vaunteth not itself. Amen. It doesn't promote itself. It's not a self-promoter. It's not a self-seeker. It doesn't blow the trumpet when it walks into the room. Amen. It doesn't say, hey, here am I. That's why it says a woman ought to adorn herself in modest apparel. Why? She ought not be coming in and say, hey, look at me. And coming in in neon lights and flashing everybody. Hey, get your eyeballs on me and get them off of God. Oh, she ought to be modest. You ever see a little a bird? You ever see male birds? You ever see female birds? What's the difference? The male birds are all real bright and colorful. The female blends in the background with the leaves and the brush and the shrubs so she can hide with her young. She's always in the background. Right? Male cardinals big and red. 
That female blends all, she's got just that little tint of red. She hides up into them tree and hide the young. But us men, we put our babies on, on the high heel shoes and hang them on poles, prance around their underwear. All right, men model, they, men put their women up there. They model them. Hey, bud, look at mine. Hello, amen. God said, does not nature teach you? Modest. Put them in the background. Help them blend in to where they're not noticed. Women want to be noticed. <laughs> I was waiting for the shot to go off. I didn't hear it. <laughs> I was waiting here. <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> I was hearing the double action revolver go click, click, click. Amen. Look at what it says. Does not behave itself unseemly. It's polite. Amen? It has manners. See, we're dealing with character. Look at what it says. Seeketh not her own. It's pure. Amen? It's not easily provoked. Wow. Thinketh no evil. It praises truth. Rejoice in not iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Endureth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. Man. Puts up with anything. Can take it, man. Whew. Man, I, I time out. <laughs> I got to spend some time down here on the altar. Bears all things. Hopeth all things. Endures all things. Man, I can hardly take anything. How about you? What can you put up with? What kind of tolerance level you got? Find out I'm real immature and I'm not very tolerant. I'm not talking about tolerating gays prancing around in front of you. I'm talking about having grace with people in life. You can, you can bear injuries, take some things. You can take the arrows when others can't. Right? Don't mamas do that a lot? They'll do without, that their babies might have something. They'll wear shoes that's got holes in it while their children have good shoes on their feet. They'll go without things in their life and, amen, to see to it that their babies have something. They'll forego food to see that their babies are eating. Mamas are sacrificial. Well, that's a type of the Christian life. Christians ought to be able to bear some things for others, do without some things for others, sacrifice for others, mostly for the Lord. He bore all the injuries... Nails in his hands and his feet, beard ripped off his face, nails uh, driven in his flesh, a crown of thorns driven in his face, punches and hits and slaps and spit, back beaten, amen, beyond recognition, his vision was so marred more than any man. The Bible says his bones stared out at him. I can't imagine him looking at his bones, man. Joints were loose, hanging on a tree. When they dropped that tree in a hole, his joints come loose. Oh, my soul, man. And now he's got all his weights on it, on them feet with that nerve, and they said it would shoot him up. Amen. And put all that weight on that spike and his back sliding up and down. Amen. Upon that old rugged cross and nails going in there, breaking open his scabs as his blood's scabbing on his back and freshly breaking it open again. You talk about hurt and pain. He took it all. I got a little splinter, Lord. <laughs> I got a splinter, Lord. <laughs>
Verse 8, charity never fails. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Talking about husbands and wives. In verse 7 he says, Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to what? Knowledge, giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. Amen. As being heirs together the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Watch this, verse 8. Finally. You ready? He's giving you a message. Finally. Good, I'm finally glad you're getting into this thing. Praise Amen. Finally. He's talking to everybody. Be ye all. He's talking to the whole body of Christ now. You can apply it just to husbands and wives, but he's talking to the whole body of Christ. <clears throat> Be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Oh, my soul. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that ye thereunto are called, that ye should inherit a blessing. He that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. Oh, my soul, my mind. And his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. That's spit it out. Get rid of it. Shun it. Avoid it. Do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open on the prayers. But as the faces of the Lord is against them that do evil. Listen, those are, these are admonitions that God wants us to put on and do. These are attitudes and characteristics that He wants in our life that we put away all that other bad junk and then all of a sudden we're transformed, our characters changed and we put all this stuff on that we can be a help and a blessing and kindness that we can endure the injuries and things that people say that we can take it. That we might see life imparted to others. Present your life what? A living sacrifice. What did Christ do with His life? He laid it down. And what did He do with His mouth? He opened it not. He took injury without retaliation. Therefore, we go as Christians. We receive injury. And when we're crucified, we won't seek to retaliate. We'll take, we'll take the offense. And we'll pardon it. And we'll still love them where they're at. And we'll extend love and compassion to them. Because we know they're but sinners and need Christ. Therefore, we must receive injury as He received injury. We must take the wrong that they may get saved, that they may get right, that the gospel may go forward. We understand where they're at. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. They're going to throw things. They may even hit us. Amen. They may even hurt us. But we in our hearts must not have an injurious attitude. We must receive that and say, For the Lord, for Christ, I forgive, I'll forbear, I'll take for Him. And I'll still be gentle. I'll still be meek. I'll still be courteous. I'll still be kind. You know what? With that spirit... Amen. Many of the people that are being whipped by their tormentors were able to forgive the man that was whipping them. That man that was twisting that rack and tearing people's body parts to peace. While that guy is sitting there and his joints are popping out of socket and his limbs are coming off, he forgives the guy that's stretching them on the rack. 
And that man on the rack's got to go home. So, oh my God, honey, man, I stretched this man. I tore this guy's limbs off tonight. And he told me he loved me. He forgave me. Oh my God, I mean, how can I do that? I mean, I heard a man and he's loving me. He's forgiving me. The whole time I was destroying his body, he was forgiving me. Oh God. And drive him to his knees. And he gets saved. Man, how can. Listen, that's the attitude of Christ that we can receive injury and forgive and love. And go on. This world knows nothing of that. We have the Spirit of Christ in us. We take Him upon us. We put on the new man. We can bear injury and go out there in love and compassion and show them truly what Christ is all about. But with a full self, we can't do that. When we have an agenda, we can't do that. When we got some mountain we want to climb, we're going to step on people to get there. The Bible said if we'd humble ourselves, He'd exalt us. Men say, I'm not going to humble myself. I'm going to climb the stepladder of success. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to climb over everybody because i got to be the king of the hill. And God says, you want to go up? Yeah. He said, go down. Humble yourself. Become a servant. Become a servant. He that's chief is among you be what? A servant of all. Jesus said, I give you an example. What? You should serve. Humble yourself. Humility. If you'll humble yourself... I'll exalt you. You exalt yourself, I'll base you. There's a whole different, everything's all totally backwards than what the world promotes. And God's saying, hey, you want my spirit? You want to be full of me? You want to be like me? You got to do it my way. Put off the flesh. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Put on Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Begin to get your mind in this book and begin to think like I think. Allow this word to be in you, this mind be in you, which all is in Christ Jesus. Allow it. Put it in there. Soak it up. Learn to take injuries. Learn to take wrongs. Learn to be able to forgive. Get a disposition to forgive. Have a pardoning spirit. Have a loving spirit. Have a kind spirit. Sow kindness. Sow love. Sow happiness. Sow to the spirit. Sow to the spirit. That's what He wants out of our life. See, how do you do that? That's how you mortify the flesh. You begin to accept and want His attributes. And anything that's like, not like Christ, you want to shoo it. You want to get rid of it. See, that's, that's, not, that's a bad attitude. I don't want that. That's a bad... I don't want that. That's self. I don't want that. I want things that are like Christ. And that's the things we ought to be pursuing. Amen? Last of all, and I'm done. Second Peter. I know we've been through these verses lately. Be good for us to go through them again real quick, and I'll be done. Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According to the divine power, He's given on us all things pertaining on the life and godliness. See, you're fully equipped. God fully equipped you. How? Look at what He says. On the life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called you on the glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this... 
giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and the virtue knowledge, and the knowledge temperance, and the temperance patience, and the patience godliness, and the godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make you. Isn't that good? That you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. It didn't say that you would have an, an endless stringer of souls. Every time a soul winner sees the word fruit, he thinks that's souls. He's talking about being barren in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen, there's a lot of people that are morally and spiritually bankrupt in the knowledge of Christ. He said, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten his birds from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give all, giving diligence to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you shall never fall. He said, you know what? You want to never fall? You want to be fruitful? You want to abound? You get a hold of this passage right here. You get a hold of these exceeding great precious promises and you add to your faith. And if you'll spend at time adding these things to your faith and making sure they be in you and abound, you'll never fall. You'll never be bearing the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You talk about a surefire promise to make it in your Christian life. Now that you got faith, add to it. And keep adding to it. Amen. And study virtue, knowledge, temperance, brotherly kindness, godliness, Put all that stuff in and charity. And make these things. This is what I want in my life. This is it right here. Well, I'll tell you what. Make it that you not be unfruitful or barren in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do those things, you'll never fall. <laughs> Guaranteed. I'm not going to mess up my Christian life and testimony if I practice what I should be practicing. The only reason somebody gets out of the will of God and falls is because they're not doing what this book says. They have ceased to add to their faith. They have ceased to see that this comes number one in their life and therefore they decided to walk in the flesh. They thought they were strong enough to live and stand alone and they go out and they dive right into sin and they blow it. Yep. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for being good to us. Thank you for the truth of the Word of God.